Hi there, and welcome to the Press Gallery, Edmonton Journal's weekly politics podcast, the Rose by Any Other Name edition. My name is Sarah O'Donnell, and I'm an editorial writer at the Journal. It's November 27th, and I'm here in the newsroom studio with my colleagues, Provincial Affairs columnist Graham Thompson. Hello. City columnist Paula Simons. Hello, Sarah. And Provincial Affairs reporter Miriam Ibrahim. Hello. I know at the end of last week's episode, I said we would turn our attention to the bills before the MLAs and the legislature in this week's podcast. It will come to no surprise to most of you that we, we've had a change of plans. Um, this week, after the dramatic floor crossing by two Wild Rose stalwarts to the progressive conservatives, we've got to wonder, is Alberta still Wild Rose country? Miriam, do you want to start us off by setting the scene on Monday morning? What kind of day were you expecting at the Alberta legislature and what did you get? Actually, Monday started off pretty interesting even before the floor crossings because the Wild Rose Caucus put out that statement, if you'll recall, and now it seems like it happened months and months ago, but they put out this statement saying that the caucus had met and they'd released this binding statement on them saying uh, that they do support equality rights and they enumerated all of the various, uh, you know, regardless of sexual orientation, regardless of class, you know, social status, all of those things, Um, obviously trying to get away from the fallout that had uh, come from their convention previously where that uh, similar policy was voted down. Um, and so that happened. And then later on that day, Rob Anderson held a, a news conference talking about the Wild Rose Amendments to Bill 202, Lori Blakeman's Bill on Gay-Straight Alliances. So all of those things had already, to me, seemed to be very interesting. And, 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 and that was before 11 a.m., right? That was all right. before 11 a.m. That's Monday. right. And I should mention that while I was there in the news conference at the Wild Rose offices, uh, I did notice that Ian Donovan was still in the offices that, at that time. So uh, it came as quite a surprise when we found out what happened just an hour later. So what happened in that hour, Graham? What, what <laughs> well, it wasn't that hour. Like, this <laughs> happened sometime before, obviously. But at 11.30, we're talking to the Wild Rose, to Rob Anderson, and one hour, within an hour, there's a news conference from the, the government. Prentice brings out Kerry Toll, Ian Donovan, two Wild Rose members who have crossed the floor. They, they announced on Monday, all of a sudden, that uh, they, they had left the Wild Rose caucus and are now sitting, would be sitting as PC MLAs. So it was a shock, <coughs> in a sense, it was sudden. We've been hearing for some time there's going to be people crossing the floor. Now, we'd heard this behind the scenes. We heard it from Joe Anglin, of course, the um, Wild Rose MLA, who um, quit the caucus a few weeks ago to sit as an independent. He said it's a civil war in the Wild Rose. Things are going badly. There's turmoil. People were thinking of leaving and joining the government. And, of course, he was proven right. And I have to confess, I didn't believe him. I did not find him to be credible on this subject, and I guess in you my thought head he was just he's been credible yeah. all along on on these, yes. these the problems within the P, the, the Wild Rose Party. He's been bang on. What happened then in the weeks leading up to this? I, I'm still I I haven't been there. I've listened in to some of the news conferences that have happened in the subsequent week. But why did Carrie Toll and Ian Donovan say that they were leaving the Wild Rose Party? They were two of the most like, high-profile members. Oh, I don't know if I'd say Ian Donovan was that high-profile, but um, Carrie Toll certainly. Um, she she said that basically uh, there had been some sort of long-standing issues internally with the party uh, in terms of the way the grassroots was driving the party uh, in a way that she felt was um, 
she couldn't continue, um, that she didn't feel comfortable doing. Uh, she said that it wasn't what her constituents wanted her to do. Ian Donovan, uh, for his part, said it was hard to continue to follow a leader who said that they weren't going to be leading the team if they lost the next game, um, referencing um, Danielle Smith's uh, pledge to, to step down as leader if the Wild Rose don't win the next election in 2016. And then he later said that the party had been founded on, um, you know, these values of listening to the grassroots and listening to members and that it, he felt that it had got away from that. Um, I mean, he's very much a social conservative and, and Carrie Toll um, was sort of seen as, as a little bit more on, on the progressive side of the spectrum within the Wild Rose, if you could say that. Um, and so, and what was really interesting was that they both stepped out with Brith Prentice on, on, the, on the stage during the press conference, but both claimed that neither one had actually been talking to each other about leaving the caucus before it actually happened on Monday. Well, they knew, I think, Sunday night. Yeah. But they'd come to the conclusion separately. What actually was driving this, um, some of the, the, the major problems in the Wild Rose Party was the by-elections, first of all. You know, they didn't win the by-election, but they finished third in two of those by-elections. They did really, really badly. Of course, and that prompted then um, uh, Smith, the leader, to say she wanted a, a leadership review at the next convention a few weeks later, and that caused some problems within the party. Then you had the caucus say, no, no, forget leadership review. We, we love you right now, Danielle Smith. Do not have a leadership review. Meanwhile, in the background, you had Joe Anglin playing, playing out, and he left the caucus. Um, and that was leading to these issues about her leadership, Smith's leadership. Uh, at the convention, there was no leadership review, but then the, the members voted against a motion that would uh, specify a protection for gay and lesbian rights, sexual minority rights. And that began causing problems between the, the caucus and the party members. And that's where Carrie Toll is talking about the party, the members trying to drive her in a different direction than than what she wanted to go to. So she's saying that the party was moving too far to the right on issues But, but like you know, this. but here's... But think about this. Ian Donovan says he's leaving the party because they're not paying enough attention to the grassroots. I think what we have to remember is that we're not just, uh, you know, doing an autopsy of the entrails of the Wild Rose Party. I mean, what's going on here is the magnetic draw of the big, powerful PC tent. Can a, mag can a tent have a magnetic draw? That's sure. A that's let's a very, say it does. That, that's a very, it's, that's, it's a big tent. It's, it's, a, it's a really big, well, it's true. It, it's, it's, it's big like Jupiter, and it has a gravitational pull like Jupiter. And, you know, this is about bandwagons. This is about politicians. Sure, they can say they did it for reasons of principle, but this is also about people looking and saying, our party has lost momentum. Their party has the momentum. I want to be on team winner. I want to be with the cool kids. I want to be with Jim Prentice because he's, you know, because he's the dishy quarterback. And I, I mean, I really do think that you can see this all through particularly the Calgary political establishment, all the people who had given their support to the Wild Rose in the hopes that they would be backing the next premier and the next leader are now covering their bets. And I, I think that Donovan and Toll, it, it, it's, they may have individual personal and philosophical reasons for the move but they didn't move to sit as independents the way Anglin did they didn't join a different other party they joined the party in power because oh wait a minute that's where the power is well this is what I've been trying to figure out is how to to toll and Donovan is the wild rose any different from the party that they ran and won their seats for two years ago I, I don't think they've changed that much, have they? I, no, they've they've lost their mojo. That's the that's that's that's, that's the problem. It's a matter of power. If if you look at the what happened in a lot of rural ridings, 
they were not voting for the wild rose for ideological reasons. I've talked to Reeves and counselors in the South, and they said they were voting for them because they thought the wild rose was going to win the election. Mm -hmm. they, they, they saw the polls, they read the Calgary Herald, and they thought it's going to be a wild rose government. We better jump on that bandwagon. And, and Paula's right. Um, it's, it's about power. So if people think the power is going back to the government, and the momentum certainly has shifted back to the government, and those by-elections were a real um, windsock. It showed the direction the wind was blowing. The Wild Rose could not win any of those, and he finished third in two of them. So it's a matter of power. And also, Prentice has moved the pendulum back for the Tories. Um, the momentum is on his side right now, and it seems that uh, the polls are showing that as well. And also, going back to Joe Anglin, he's still talking about others looking at joining the PECs and jumping ship. Um, I guess we better believe him this well, time. Well, we'll see what happens. Well, yeah, we've we've heard from yeah. Smith saying, no, no one's jumping. <laughs> but, of course, uh, she would have said that last week. And the thing is, I think people right now in the party are looking at where is their their uh, future lying. Is it with the you know, and and Graham and I, because we're old, 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 so much older than the rest of you. Um, I mean, we remember when, when Peter Lougheed's party sucked up you know, social credit members and liberal members, um, you know, because people would run for these other parties. And then they would look and they would say, you know, I'm in the opposition. I have no power. You know, this province is filled with politicians, you know, including the Speaker Gene Swazdeski, who ran for other parties. And then liberals. Yeah, ran for the liberals. Uh, we won the liberals. Yeah. He was actually a liberal MLA. Yeah, absolutely he was. And crossed the floor because it's, you know, I, I think people look and they think it's frustrating to be in opposition. We're not getting traction in opposition. I mean, personally, I, I think the province and the political discourse are going to be the poorer because Terry, Terry Toll was a very effective opposition critic. I mean, she really, she put a human face on that party and she held uh, the Tories' feet to the fire on a whole bunch of issues, on seniors and seniors' housing, on the closing of the Michener Center, on uh, issues with the child welfare system. She was an excellent critic. She was one of the powerhouses in the Wilders Party. Now she's subsumed in the Tory backbenches, um, and I think that the province is going to suffer for the loss of her voice in opposition, and I think it's a shame. How did Danielle Smith handle these defections? Well, she... She uh, she delivered a very uh, brief statement, less than two minutes long, on Monday, um, and then she um, she didn't take any questions later that day. She didn't take any questions after the statement. She didn't take any questions the following day either, um, but she did take questions yesterday. Uh, I mean, she took it hard. She and Carrie were very close friends. It wasn't just a matter of political colleagues. They were they were very close personal friends, um, and and both both of them have acknowledged now that that friendship is over um and so i think i think politically Sad. speaking it was it was obviously a blow for her and for her party and for her leadership and for the caucus but then on that personal level especially with carrie toll as paula said being such an effective critic such a high profile one she had been sort of pushed to the to the forefront into the spotlight by the party i mean they because she was a really good face for the party um and so she 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 really did seem to take it pretty uh pretty hard yeah and for the pcs is this a big coup for them i mean is this, <laughs> well, is yeah. this bigger than the by-elections or is this just yet another like how how big is it i think well, it's bigger than the by-elections i think those by-elections were almost a foregone conclusion except for west because i mean the tories got to choose where they were run, running right i mean for the most part mm, okay yeah and i think this um it's interesting because prentice has been i think 
looking at getting the Wild Rose to move over to the PCs. And this was, uh, I think, him behind. He's, uh, there was rumors before about him trying to get the Wild Rose over to the PCs early in the summer, but he's still running for leadership. Of course, he denied all of that. Um, but I think the fact that they put the feelers out to the, to the Wild Rose and they're trying to... Uh, the thing is, this, this shows some momentum. It's not just the by-elections. Um, I think Miriam's right. This is bigger in some ways than the by-elections because it's showing the momentum is absolutely moving towards Prentice. And he's being really, really shrewd. You think in the last six months where the PCs have come from mm-hmm. uh, to where they are now. Well, he, mm. he's, he's just taken complete control of the agenda since since even before winning that race. I mean, we all sort of knew that that was going to happen. But then once he took over as premier and leader of the party, I mean, the agenda has been his. Yeah, I think if Paula, if, if they're Jupiter now, I think a few months ago, we would have compared them to a dying star or something like Pluto? that. No, no yeah. but, but, but it's true. I mean, I, I had occasion to look back through a year's worth of columns for something that we had to get ready for the paper. And, and I read back over my year's worth of columns and you had to pinch yourself to remember that, you know, in January I was writing about Alison Redford. And in <clears throat> May I was writing about, you know, Premier Dave Hancock. And, and, you know, and I found a column that talked about, you know, can Danielle Smith capitalize on this? Can she convince Albertans that she forms government? And it's a good thing nobody else goes back and reads my columns over the last <laughs> year. Uh, because I, I might have predicted in January that Alison Redford wouldn't last the year. I don't think I ever would have predicted that Danielle Smith's fortunes would have fallen as sharply as they have done and as quickly. So Brian Mason called this one of the greatest political betrayals he's seen. Is that, do I have the quote right? Or is that, Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, Is that, do you really think so? I mean, on a personal level, yeah. I guess this wasn't quite like Julius Caesar. uh, No, the personal melodrama, absolutely. You know, you had two people, very close friends, and, um, we talked yesterday. We, we finally got a chance to talk to um, Danielle Smith about how she was feeling about it, and yeah, she was saying she did not know until that news conference, no inkling at all, that one of her best friends was actually um, going to betray her oh, like that. That would be terrible. Yeah. When we asked, uh, you know, are you still friends? She said we were friends, and I say that in past tense. And then she was asked, well, who is Carrie told to you now? And she said she's a member of the the party across the aisle. Mm. So if, uh, like you guys said, Danielle Smith said she's confident there'll be no future defections. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, do you think we will see any of the, ro- more of the Rosies, as Paula so likes to call them, <laughs> test out Juliet's famous line that a rose by any other name would smell as sweet? I, I'm done predicting things. I mean, <laughs> I've, I've been a reporter at the legislature for a little more than a year, and I have seen... <laughs> everything like it's been insane um you know from from redford and everything that happened with her to the the leadership race and just uh, i think anything could happen i mean alberta politics never never a dull day and i think if more people jump from the wild rose to the the pcs and smith is done yeah i, I mean I, will she still be leader you know it would be very hard it would be very hard for her to hang on to that i think that that would really really undermine her leadership especially if someone else jumps ship now especially after she went and said so forcefully that there will be no more floor crossings and that she was confident that she had the support of her caucus the strange thing is um paul and i both said before that we cannot imagine the wild rose without danielle smith as leader Mm -hmm. at this point i can't imagine her surviving as leader if more people cross the floor if that happens then all of a sudden if she's gone as leader the, the party is going to fold. I, I have to say, I, I was looking at some, some video of Rob Anderson. Um, he looked haggard. Mm. He looked like he's lost 25 pounds in the last six weeks. I mean, uh, you know, I guess he's the heir apparent 
from within mm-hmm. caucus. I heard people, you know, muttering on, can you mutter on social media? I'm bad with my metaphors today. Uh, you know, about Ted I'll Mo- allow it. About Ted Morton. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Th- thank you. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, uh, you know, talking about Ted Morton, I can't really imagine Ted Morton coming no coming back no. but no. but you know uh, daniel smith has been the thing that made that party credible i mean for years there were people on the rump on the right who were trying to resurrect the ashes of the social credit party trying to do a reform party at the provincial level they never had a credible leader they never had anyone who got any traction and daniel smith smart telegenic canny people like her fiscal conservative um socially you know more to the center she made that brand palatable yeah. and if she if she can't hang on to power I, I can't see a future for that party. You know, the Wild Rose did have a famous floor crossing of its own that really helped get, kickstart the party, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. When Rob Anderson and Heather Forsyth right. crossed from the PCs to the Wild Rose. I was just wondering, what was their response to their colleagues' transformation, I guess, shedding of their Wild well, Rose skin into the Heather PC Forsyth uh, talked to uh, Don Braid of the Herald uh, yesterday, and... Uh, she said that she was disappointed, but that they had to do what they had to do. And she did actually say, you know, I've crossed the floor, so who am I to judge? Um, you know, at least recognizing that that, that had happened. Um, but still supporting Daniel Smith. I mean, Heather Forsyth has already indicated that she's not going to be running again, though, in 2016. Um, and, I mean, we could see her step down any time between now and then, really. I mean, there's there's nothing saying that she will stay all the way until 2016. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and and for Rob Anderson, I mean, he's their house leader. He's 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 now one of the the faces of the party that we're going to be seeing probably more and more often now, especially without Carrie Toll there. Um, and and his his argument is, you know, well, we crossed because we we needed to hold this government to account. It was it was making the wrong decisions. That hasn't changed, and that's what Daniel Smith said yesterday as well. Okay, did how were they treated in the House? That's what I was wondering. Oh. Once they once they actually went and assumed their seats on the Tuesday. How how were they treated? Were people like heckling them or booing them? The, in terms of the the floor crossers, mm, not really. I mean, it was interesting. They they moved Carrie Toll and Ian Donovan as far away from the Wild Rose benches as possible. They uh, are in the very last. Uh, backbench row obviously on the government side of the house um but that still gives them seating seniority over people like fred horn and doug horner right yes um <laughs> and 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 others like thomas lukasik and others who are all on the opposition side of the house and the government benches um there was a strange incident that happened um in which a mug that belonged to carrie toll was left behind in the wild rose offices was then smashed um, likely intentionally, though I don't really, that's not 100% certain, but it's m- likely intentionally. And then the photo was taken by a staffer and sent to Carrie Toll. Oh, very mature. Right. And so uh, she said that that was very hurtful. Danielle Smith was asked about it yesterday, and she said that that staffer was, uh, you know, that was entirely inappropriate. The staffer had been dealt with internally, and that, um, you know, that people were very upset and it was sort of a heat of the moment kind of thing oh Um, come on i roll my eyes at that behavior anyways okay yeah i know it's better than sending somebody a you know a horse's head in their bed i I, mean there's i mean i mean of course it is but come on i know but for carrie told to say it was very hurtful for someone to do that after she stabbed her leader and friend in the back is a little bit rich i guess she probably did it for matters of principle though right right 
Well, anything else going on in the legislature this week? Yeah, Any- like like legislation? Yeah. Is there, is there any legislation? Oh, how's our finances? Wallet Is our wallet plush and full? There was a quarter, a second quarter update, wasn't there? There was. Yeah. Which has no reflection on what's actually been happening in recent months, right? No, it does not. Because Graham? Well, Graham? Uh, I'll just, in a nutshell, saying that, um, you know, we're still running uh, a surplus this year, um, about 933 Million, million. Right but now, a hundred million dollars less. It's going to be a billion now. It's nine hundred million dollars for, for this year, so there'll still be a surplus. Things are going relatively well, but the problem, of course, it's always a warning flag from this government saying things are okay right now. But and it's the price of oil. It's down to seventy four or seventy dollars a barrel. I think today seventy three something. I think yeah. is the latest number. So and OPEC just had a meeting today, and it did not, not cutting. No. It may be uh, even lower. So yeah. the government's saying that. Um, it's not a problem for this year. The problem is going to be next year. Oh, like because that update only recover. went up to September, right? I mean, it's a Q2 update, so we only got up to September. It didn't reflect any of the the real dips in the in the price of a barrel of oil that have happened in more recent weeks. We're not going to see that till the next update, right? And there has been uh, a, a bill from Lori Blakeman. Is that actually Bill 202, yep. which would f- require school boards to allow gay-straight alliances if they actually, uh, if students wanted to pursue this? Right. Is that actually is is it working its way through now? Has it, it was been tabled. Voted on? It, okay, was it was tabled. tabled. Um, so, but it's not on second reading yet. Um, it's sort of making its way through the house, um, and so uh, actually it. Today, Lori Blakeman put out a statement saying that she's withdrawn all of her written questions and motions for return to the government because she's worried that the Tories are using that kind of procedure to delay debate of her bill. Because, of course, it's a private member's bill. You can only do that on Mondays. Well, on Monday, um, almost two hours was taken up with with responses or, or what she says were not really responses to the written questions. So she's now withdrawn all of her questions and motions from the order paper to in an effort to sort of prevent that sort of stall tactic from happening. She described it as a, as a filibuster. Mm. Um, but uh, it'll be interesting to see where that goes um, over the next little while. It's fascinating, actually, because this is going to... Well, this, this is the cat among the, the pigeons. You've got the Wild Rose hoping to use this as well to try and club the government. You've got the Wild Rose, we were talking about earlier on Monday, coming out and saying, I have some, uh, it's going to support Bill 202 with some amendments. So this is the Wild Rose trying to appear to be more gay and lesbian friendly. And the question was put to the government. We actually asked uh, Prentice, you know, would you support Bill 202, this private member's bill here? I'm popping my peas again. Um, if Would you support it? He says, uh, i got to read that and read the, read, read the Charter of Rights and read it again. I said, come on. He said, well, let me read them both and I'll get back to you. And I would like to say that bill has been on the order paper for a little more than a week now. I mean, it has been on the table for a little more than a week now. It's not that many pages long. The education minister very busy. The education minister has also said that he did not give it a full and thorough read. Um, I love that this government suddenly care if something meshes with the Charter of Rights. They are hoping to delay this, put this thing off, and so there's no vote because it's going to be a free vote according to Prentice. And so the thing is, even though you've got the 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 appearance of the Wild Rose being perhaps socially conservative to a fault, that if there's a free vote in the House over this issue and gay-straight alliances, it may show the government is also socially con- uh, yeah, conservative okay. to a fault. But, oh, but big, big tents can feel awfully cr- uncomfortable, I think, sometimes. But, you know, it's fascinating because, you know, the, this can't hair Lori Blakeman strategy has really 
you know, what did I say? Set a cat among the pigeons, right? I mean, this is brilliant mischief making. I mean, it it may also be great for Alberta school kids, but it's brilliant politics. Mm. Well, let's turn to brilliant suggestions from Good Stuff from the Gallery. That's our weekly segment where we try to pull away from provincial politics or sometimes or offer up a story with a political connection that we think listeners might want to check out. Sometimes it has to do with what we've just talked about. Graham, you want to start us off? I'll just say quickly, um, speaking of the second quarter update, on the web, you can go to the uh, Alberta government, the um, finance department, you can read for yourself the second quarter update to oh. explain where where we are and where the government thinks we're going. They get it wrong all the time, of course. Um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting to say the government like said... Our, like our columns? <laughs> hey. <laughs> Kidding. And, and, well, Paula was just talking about maybe Paula's columns because she was talking about yes, going I, back. I must not prognosticate. Seeing. I That's must right. not prognosticate. Um, Graham, yeah. you are always correct. Well, okay, fine. To get into that, I'll, I got the leadership right. Uh, people you got the, the by-election. Yeah, 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 by-elections. Wait, wait, who got the by-elections right? Was that Sarah or Graham? Oh, wait, that was Graham. Yeah. Well, I'm um, not. I'm anyway, <laughs> it's interesting when you've got the finance minister talking about there's no rhyme or reason to the price of oil right now. But yet they budget on this price of oil, and they're saying right now it should be $74 or $75 a barrel for the rest of the year. But they don't know, and we'll see what happens in the next uh, six months. This could be a huge, huge problem for the government next I th- year. I think we should all in- read the Q2 update so we can enjoy the happy reading before the Q3 and Q4, which is, I feel like, not going to be nearly the happy story that Q2 is. Paula, you want to go next? Yes, I have a somewhat unusual suggestion. Um, the Hutterite community is a huge part of Alberta's social and political and economic and agrarian history. And I think most of us know very little about the interior life of Hutterite colonies. They're, you know, separate and apart and probably a bit mysterious to those of us on the outside. So I've been reading this week and and really intrigued by a book by a, a writer named Marianne Kirkby. She grew up, she spent her first 10 years on a Hutterite colony and then her family left They broke with the church. She wrote a book a couple of years ago called I Am Hutterite. Uh, Her second book is called Secrets from the Hutterite Kitchen, which sounds a bit like a cookbook (laughs) and a bit like a, you know, like a tabloid thing, but it's actually neither. It's really a fascinating trip inside Hutterite communities to talk about male-female relations, to talk about the sociology of the Hutterite community, but seen through the prism of the women who are working in the kitchen. And there are recipes at the back of the book. Um, so if you would like to make dinner for, you know, f- you know, turkey dinner for 400 people, there are the, <laughs> there are the recipes. Um, but but what's it's a it's a very humane, funny, and insightful look inside um, the social order. Of, of a community that's really been very fundamental to the history of this province. Ooh, sounds like a good read. And I try and keep uh, my potential food poisoning within the immediate family so I don't cook for <laughs> cook for more than those very closest to me. Just kidding, I've never food poisoned anybody. I'm going to very quickly recommend uh, that people check out uh, the episode of Slate's Political Gab Fest, which listeners of both podcasts will know that obviously I'm a big fan of Slate's Political Gab Fest because we kind of modeled this show after it. But in their uh, episode from last week, the is Thanksgiving red or blue edition, the fine trio that make up Slate's political gab fest had a conversation about the fate of the Keystone pipeline and the politics that's going on in the United States over that pipeline. And I just thought it was a really interesting conversation because I listen to these people all the time and and I really am always keen to hear their opinions. And I was just really surprised to hear 
what they thought about the Keystone Pipeline because I made made me realize that they don't know very much about Canada at all. But I still love them. But anyways, I think it's good for us to know how the conversation in the U.S. is going over the Keystone Pipeline. So I recommend that podcast overall and that particular conversation for this week. Take us home, Miriam. So I was going to suggest a read about Serial, the podcast, and then I decided everyone in the world has probably already read everything there is to read about Serial. I'm just feeling a little bit of withdrawal today because there's no episode today and I have to wait till next week. I'm very distraught about that. But anyway, I will spare you. Instead, I'm going to suggest um, a topic that I... Uh, a piece about a topic that I often bring up on the podcast, and it is um, from Vice, actually, and it was written by a former former um, journal intern, Tyler Dawson, um, and it's called Meet the Guys Who Want to Launch a Catalog of Canadian Police Abuses, um, and it just talks about a uh, um, two guys from Ottawa, I believe, uh, one who's um, an academic who are trying to, to just basically catalog every instance of this, and as a former crime reporter, I know that it can be sometimes very difficult to keep up with um, n- not only um, you know incidents that happen, but whatever sort of disciplinary actions happen afterwards because we don't always get you know all of the information about them in advance we don't know which officers there are we don't know what charges they're facing all that sort of thing so I thought that was a really interesting read and wanted to give a a plug to our former intern here yay excellent thanks and thanks to Graham Paula and Miriam for discussing the drama that could lead to future dramatic monologues and soliloquies have we seen the stuff of future great theater? I don't know. And thanks to journal videographer Ryan Jackson, who was here with us to create a video excerpt from our discussion, which you can find at edmontonjournal.com. Previous episodes of the show are archived on our website at edmontonjournal.com opinion, or if you prefer, you can get the podcast on iTunes for free or listen via our Edmonton Journal SoundCloud feed. You'll notice that our Facebook page is changing. The journal is migrating all its Facebook pages, or a vast majority of them, into one page to rule them all. So you can expect to find press gallery updates on the Edmonton Journal's page, and you'll be prompted, if you're not already following the Edmonton Journal's main page, to join that. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week in the press gallery.